everyone, it's Maria here. And on behalf of Simon and I, I'd just like to thank you for checking out our podcast. Before we get into things, I just want to let you know that this is only part of our online mini service. To check out the full service and find out more about Everyone Church, head to our website at everyonechurch.com.au. Hope you can check it out and see the full service. But for now, let's get into the podcast. When you hear the word church, what comes to mind? Uh, like stained glass windows, sandstone walls, weddings, funerals, child dedications. Uh, uh, I've heard people say, I don't subscribe to organized religion. And is that the church? Organized religion? Uh, I've, I've heard Christians say, uh, oh, um, the church is not a building. And they use that to justify never being in one, which is kind of ironic. Is that the church? A building? Organized religion? I've seen Christian families who uh, have family days on a Sunday and they and part of their tradition of family day is to skip church for the day as a family. Is that like what the church is? Something to have a, a break from as a luxury? Uh, surely there, there are more Bible-based reasons for the existence of the church and why we find it so important in our Christian life. You know, post-lockdown, uh, I even saw this happen last year. Uh, th- there was this sense of people of like, oh, I haven't gone to church for a while. Like, why should I go? I can just watch a video at home. I'm, I'm all good, right? Um, and we, But we need to have good Bible-based reasons of why. Now, there has to be a reason why people have engaged in the church and been part of the church for 2,000 years. Uh, there has to be good reasoning for it. We can't just have churchy re- reasons. We can't just have cultural reasons. Uh, uh, or even think about Maria and I. Why would we start a new church? Isn't there enough of them already? Uh, is, why would we leave uh, great positions in, in a, a great, a large church, comfortable to go and pioneer a church on our own? Now, I'm not trying to paint us as these big faith heroes who took a leap of faith. The truth is, as much as we're stepping out in faith, we are supported, we are uh, believed in, and that is an amazing thing. But throughout this journey, I've had to ask myself, in my heart, even as we were making this decision, and Maria as well, is do we believe in this thing called the church? Uh, and the answer, obviously, is yes. You wouldn't be a pastor or a pastor. You wouldn't even be part of a church long, t- long term unless you really believed in it. Um, but I think sometimes we can just have um, kind of We've been around it kind of reasons for being in church and not really know the Bible basis for the existence of the church. Like, I believe the church is the hope of the world. I believe the church is essential for mature Christian living. I believe the church is essential for the health of our communities, even our secular communities. Uh, And I believe every Christian should be planted, not only in just the church, but in a local church. Uh, I, I believe we need to let our roots grow deep into our local church community. And I've seen people who don't struggle more than people who do, just being honest. Uh, don't uh, We can't just have consumerism 
uh, Christian living, like in the sense of I just consume Christian resource. I'll, I'll listen to every podcast you got. I'll watch your videos. I'll tune in. But no, no, no. We've got to be, it's got to be something more than that, surely. And so as we come out of lockdown and as we pioneer and plant this church, what we're looking to do is come to a greater understanding of what it means to be planted in a church, in a local church. Uh, why would I be planted here? Do I want to be? Why would I prioritize this in my life? I believe every parent needs to answer the question, is church important enough for me and my family to prioritize it? Right? Or is it something that's on the periphery that we, when it's convenient for us, it's like super way down the priorities. Now, I'm just not just talking about filling seats or um, everybody being there in the room to fulfill some sort of like legacy play for Maria and I and look, look at what we've built. No, 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 no. No, I'm talking about Bible based foundational belief of what the church is all about that will last you longer than maybe I don't know how long you're going to be part of everyone church I hope we do many many years together but the truth is life has changed life has transitioned but we always need to know what is the biblical reason of why we're part of the church and why do we believe in it why do we um uh honor it. You know what I mean? So let's get to that. We need to know why the church exists. Now, and not just everyone church, but the church. So what is the church? What is the biblical definition of the church? Uh, why should I be planted into it? Into it? Why, why should I plant my family in the church? Why should I support the church? Uh, why should I pray for the church? Um, how do I know that I'm planted in the church? All these questions are really, really important. Now, the Christian, uh, the study of the Christian church is called ecclesiology. Uh, if you ever want to look up uh, what the church is all about, that's what you look up, ecclesiology, the theology of the church. Uh, and if you're interested in this topic, hey, let me know. I'd love to help you find a uh, resource on that, of course. It's a very interesting topic. And I want to lay the foundation here of what the church is all about, the big church. You know, we have, obviously, when I say the church, I'm talking about the overarching expression of the church. Of course, we have local expressions of the church and we have denominations and all these kind of things, but we're trying to keep it big picture for today. You know, there is tradition in the church. There is orthodoxy in the church. There is diversity in the church. The church is dynamic. It is. Uh, we're not just married to a culture from 2,000 years ago where we're wearing robes and all that kind of stuff. No, no, no. There is a sense of moving forward and being dynamic uh, uh, in amongst the culture around us. But we want to know, what does the Bible say about the church? Amen? So the Greek word for church in the New Testament uh, is the word ecclesia. Ecclesia. And I might put it on papyrus for us to see. Uh, and this is not a reference to... Uh, a building, but more a assembly of people. And just a bit of a background on this, the early church was looking for a way to describe the assembly of Christians. Now, the Old Testament uh, in the Hebrew used two words for the assembling of God's people, and they were Ada and Kahal. Okay, these two words. And both words, <clears throat> both words could refer to a crowd or a mob. Or, or a gathering for a spiritual reason. Uh, and shortly before the time of Jesus, around 300 BC, um, Greek-speaking Jews translated the Hebrew scriptures into 
Greek. And this translation was called the Septuagint. And uh, this was a very important part of, of Jewish history. And you know, we know Christianity was birthed out of that Jewish tradition. And for whatever reason, they translated these two words, kahal and eitha. Uh, they translated kahal into the Greek word ecclesia, which is what I mentioned before. And they trans- were, uh, translated the word eitha into the word synagogue, which is where we get the word synagogue. Um, now, New Testament Christians didn't want to use the word synagogue, we believe, because of its association with the Jewish tradition. So they found this word that still had roots and relevance in the uh, Old Testament, Ecclesia, especially the, the Septuagint, the Greek translation. Now, and they landed on this word, Ecclesia, to use for their gathering. So they basically hijacked a word to describe the gathering of Christians. And and I think this is cool because in church history, we see the importance of language and choosing the right words to use to describe things because the early church, everything was new, right? They were establishing foundations that would last the church for centuries and thousands of years, some of it. So now there are some corners of Christianity that that translate the word ecclesia as, um, because uh, a translation of it is, is to call out from. Ecclesia, to call away from, to gather away from. And that's why we have some corners of Christianity where we have monasteries and, and the whole concept of the church is about being separate from the world. We don't believe that. Uh, we don't believe that was Christ's intention for the church. Uh, the ecclesia, the, the, the gathering of God's people is in the world, not of the world, and for the purposes of reaching the world. Amen. Uh, it's the gathering of God's people for God's purposes. It's not about being whisked away into a mountain and hiding from everyone. Uh, we don't want to be corrupted by the world, so we'll just hide from everyone. No, no, uh, we, we are definitely in the world, but not of the world for the purposes of reaching the world. Uh, in the New Testament, the church is described in four different uh I guess you would call it four different pillars of church identity. And they are the church as the body of Christ. And now the emphasis of that is our relationship with Christ and each other. And then the church is described as the temple of God. And the emphasis there is that the church is a dwelling place for God uh, and a replacement of the Old Testament temple. And now the church as uh, another way it's described is the church as the Israel of God, meaning that uh, the, the 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 church is the chosen people of God uh, going forward, and the church is also um, described as an instrument for the kingdom of God and His authority. Okay, uh, and there's all sorts of imagery like we talk about the church being a the bride of Christ that kind of falls under the the Israel of God category and all that kind of stuff. Now I don't want to go into crazy detail about all of these because some of them take a lot of theological. Um, groundwork to understand why uh, why is why how do we believe the New Testament church and the, the Christian church is the Israel of God? Well, that's a that's a lot of talking about. If you're interested in knowing any more about that, uh, I would love to resource you and send you some stuff. But today, I want to focus on two of these because I think they sent a great biblical foundation of understanding what the church is all about, and I think also they are some of the most misinterpreted 
ones. We hear all the time people say, oh, we're the body of Christ and oh, we're the temple of God or I'm the temple of God. Are we the temple of God or am I the... And all these kind of things. And we become like victims of just churchy language and not fully understanding what it's all about. So, uh, you know, not all of us are called to be theologians, right? Uh, and and But we are, we do need to understand what the Bible says and know what it's meaning and why it is we're doing what we're doing. Otherwise, we just fall into routine and just doing it because that's what my parents did or that's what Simon and Maria asked us to do. And that's they send us a text, so I better be at online church the next day. No, uh, we want to understand what the Bible says about it. So, number one, the church is the body of Christ. The church is the body of Christ. It says in 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 27, all of you together are Christ's body. And each of you is a part of it. So how does that work? Well, the, the church gets its identity and significance as a body or a community of people in accordance with its unity with Christ. Every other body of people on the earth, every other gathering of people or, or corporation of people, um, relate to one another purely on human terms and earthly terms. But the church is constituted on the supernatural terms of its relationship with Christ. In other words, a community of people who unite together under the headship of Jesus Christ become part of the church and miraculously become part of Christ himself. Wow. And Christ is in us and we are in him. It's not the denomination or the building or the church name or branding. It's Jesus himself. Amen. And part of him uh, in the same way that the body is part of the head. Uh, The church is not just an organization. Okay. The church is an organism. A supernatural organism. And that is amazing. It says in Ephesians chapter 4, verse 15 to 16, growing in every way more and more like Christ, who is the head of his body, the church. He makes the whole body fit together perfectly as each part does its own special work and helps the other parts grow so that the whole body is healthy and growing and full of love. So, what do you get from your head? <laughs> uh, sometimes I don't know where my head's at, but uh, you know we get our, our mind, our direction, our th- this interconnection, every neurological impulse. When I touch hot water, it sends the, it, my, my brain says, "Hey, listen, uh, that's hot water. Get your hand away from it, right?" And if there is not a good connection between my head and my body, there is an issue, right? We have some strange things going on. It's like, uh, have you ever watched someone on the dance floor of a wedding and thought there is something going on there? There is some, not the, the interconnectedness there is just not there, right? Or I think about my kids. Um, I've got Elliot, who is almost four, and Roger, who is a year and a half. And Roger tries to do everything that Elliot does. Um, but because he's younger, it's just way more dangerous. You know, Elliot wants to dance on the couch, which we don't want him to, but he does it. You know, you know how it is. And Roger goes, I'm going to do that too. 
way more dangerous, right? We're there just waiting to catch him. Oh my goodness, right? Now, this is the thing is because he is learning, his body is learning to take direction, that coordination. And we, uh, we can see how powerful this truth is that the church in Jesus gets its identity and significance from the head, that is Christ. And also it's its basis for unity. And all of us with different gifts, strengths, weaknesses combined together to form the body of Christ. It's like the Power Rangers. I'm not sure if you're familiar with the Power Rangers, but they used to combine together to form Megazord. Now, like if you believe the uh, Power Rangers are of the devil or something, don't tell my kids. So uh, uh, I've lost some people there, but it's all good. Hey, we all combine to form under Christ's headship, the body. And there is this learning process too, just like my son Roger is learning to coordinate. We as the church are learning to coordinate ourselves with the head, that is Christ. Romans chapter 12, verse 4 to 5 says, Just as our bodies have many parts and each part has a special function, so it is with Christ's body. We are many parts of one body and we all belong to each other. Many Christians love to talk about how we belong to Christ. And yes, we do. And, and you know, he loves us, but we don't often like to talk about how much we belong to each other because, oh man, that's, that's the tough stuff, right? And when Jesus is the focus though, and the first love of the church and the people in the church and in his rightful place as Lord of our hearts, of our lives, unity is much more achievable. It is. And how we value and treat each other as well changes significantly. Because when I mistreat a brother or sister in the Lord, I'm not just mistreating someone. No, no. I'm actually mistreating Christ himself, someone who is part of Christ's body. It says in Acts Chapter 9, verse 4, when Jesus encounters Saul on the road to Damascus and he encounters him, he says, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? Notice he doesn't say, why are you persecuting my church or why are you persecuting my believers, my followers? Because that's what Saul was doing. He wasn't attacking Jesus himself. But no, this is what Jesus is saying. When you attack my body, my people, you're attacking me. And that's why it says, hey, the, the, what you, Jesus said, the, what you do to the least of these brothers, these people that are part of my body, you do to me. So the church in Jesus gets its identity and significance and unity in its union with Christ. Amen. Now, I play guitar. And when I play guitar, my guitar has to be in tune. And when I tune my guitar, I tune it with a tuner. I don't tune it according to my own interpretation of the strings. No, no. I tune to a tuner. It's the same with when we sing. When we sing in harmony, we are all tied together by the key in which we're singing in, by the root note, the tonic note. If you're in the key of C, the C note is what they call the tonic, the root note. Everything builds upon that note in the key of C. Now, Jesus is the tonic, the root note of his church. And let Jesus forever be the root note, the tonic of everyone church. And he's the scale by which he's the, he's the foundation by which we all sing together in harmony. And Jesus is who we build our lives upon in harmony with his word, in harmony with his ways, in harmony with his spirit. Amen. And when we are all in tune with him, 
and his ways, we unite together. We unite together. Amen. And so the church is the body of Christ. The church gets its identity, significance, and unity as part of the body of Christ. And not only that, but also the church is the temple of God. The church is the temple of God. If the church gets its identity, significance, and unity as the body of Christ and its union with Christ, well, the emphasis of the New Testament teaching that the church is the temple of God is that the church is to be holy. The church is holy. The church is taught to be holy in the, in the Bible because just as the Holy Spirit dwells in me as an individual, uh, he also dwells in us corporately. Corporately, okay? This means that the church is to be set apart for the Lord. It's to live to a different standard than the world, right? Uh, now, that doesn't mean we start dressing weird. No, no, no. It's, it's talking about that moral, uh, biblical standard, okay? Amen. And as we said earlier, the church is in the world, not of the world, for the purpose of reaching the world. And let's look at some verses about this. Paul says in 1 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 16 to 17, Don't you realize that all of you together are the temple of God, and that the Spirit of God lives in you? God will destroy anyone who destroys this temple, for God's temple is holy, and you are that temple. And that word you, you know, the Spirit of God lives in you, in, in verse 16, is a plural word. Okay, it's not just about me individually. No, it's about a, a plural. A, 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 he's talking to a group of people. It's about us corporately. You know, flying solo is not being planted in the church. It's not. Uh, Paul says in 2 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 16, For we are the temple. We are. For we are the temple of the living God. As God said, I will live in them and walk among them. I will be their God and they will be my people. Amen. So there is a miraculous and unique dwelling of God in amongst the people of God, the gathering, the ecclesia of God. This is why I'm so excited about actually getting together as a church and worshiping Jesus and having church together. I'm hoping we can do that before the end of the year, of course. We would love to. And it says in Ephesians chapter 2, verse 19 to 22, So now, you Gentiles are no longer strangers and foreigners. You are citizens along with all of God's holy people. You are members of God's family. Together we are His house built on the foundation of the apostles and the prophets, and the cornerstone is Christ Jesus himself. We are carefully joined together in him, becoming a holy temple for the Lord. Through him, you Gentiles are also being made part of this dwelling where God lives by his spirit. Wow. Amazing. Amazing. This, is, this means that the New Testament church, the Christian church, replaces the Old Testament temple. And if, if we are the temple of the Lord, well, Peter states that our role as believers in that temple is that of priests. It says in 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 4, And you are living stones that God is building into his spiritual temple. What's more, you are his holy priests. Listen, what God is building... With his church, in his church, is amazing. 
It's amazing. When we gather together, there is a significance in that. There, this is when we say, oh, there's something about being together in church. There's something about gathering. Well, that something is that we are at the temple of the Lord and he is in the midst. You know, the old temple in the Old Testament was about physical places and holy stones. The new temple is about living stones. You and me. You know, the old temple was for Jews only. The new temple is for everyone. Every tribe and tongue has a place in God's temple. Uh, the old temple was for physical sacrifices. Uh, the new temple is for spiritual sacrifices of our lives in worship to God. The old temple, uh, there were only a few priests. There were only few people who were chosen and anointed and had access to the holy of holies. But in this new temple, oh, come on. In this new temple, you're a priest. I'm a priest. There are many priests who have access to the Holy of Holies and who have anointing. Let that sink into you for a second. You are anointed. You are a priest. You, God has, it doesn't mean you have to walk around, oh man, no, no. You are a priest. You're anointed. You're set apart for God. God has a place for you in his house. Amen. So I need you to know, we all need to know that every person who calls on the name of the Lord, is not only saved, but also has a place in God's church. And on top of that, I want you to know that you have a place in everyone, church. God has has something for you to do here. If you're planted here, He will. you are here for the betterment of everyone, church. You are here to help us grow. You're here to help us. And I'm not just talking numerical growth. I'm talking grow in maturity in the Lord. And of course, that's going to mean numerical growth as well. It's just inevitable. But you have a place in this church. So the church is the body of Christ. The church is the temple of God. And we haven't even touched on the fact that the church is the Israel of God and the church is the instrument that God uses to spread the gospel and do good works in the earth. But I wanted to set this foundation because next week we're going to start really diving into answering some really important practical questions. And they are, if the church is the body of Christ and the temple of God, and we would agree biblically is very important and essential, well, what does it mean for my spiritual life and my spiritual health if I'm not part of it? If I'm not planted in the house, what, what does it mean to be part of the church? What, how do I know if I am planted? Uh, how do I gauge practically uh, when someone is actually planted in the church? You know, God has not designed us to be self-contained. He has designed us to be interweaved. And, you know, many Christians I've met before uh, have are what I would consider to be like pot plant Christians. They're kind of self-contained. They don't, they don't want to depend on anyone else. You know, they are, and you know what? In, in, in re, the result of that is they're never planted anywhere. They're just moving here, moving there, moving here, moving there. And you know, when I think about a plant that is self-contained and contained in a little pot, its roots never go deep. There's a limit to its growth. There is there, you know, and sometimes we we want to we're so cozy in our own environment. We you know, we put up walls of offense and walls of reasoning why we wouldn't want to let our roots grow deep in the community of the church. And listen, when we have an understanding of how amazing 
the church is and what we get to be a part of, my goodness, we want to be planted. Maria and I have been planted in a church for two decades more. All my Christian life, I've been planted. I only really went to one church, and that's not because I'm you know, super awesome guy who stayed in one church. It wasn't always easier, and it was an amazing church. I understand that there can be situations that cause us to be uprooted, and, and it's unfortunate. But can I just say, being planted is a choice. It is a choice that, hey, I'm going to be planted in a church. I'm going to be planted in the local church. So what does that mean? What does that mean? Okay. Uh, When you know why the church is here, you want to be part of it. My last verse for today in Psalm 92, verse 12 to 15. And when we understand that the New Testament church replaces that Old Testament temple, we can read the Psalms and stuff in a new light. Okay, it says in in verse 12 here, it says, The righteous flourish like the palm tree and grow like a cedar in Lebanon. They are planted in the house of the Lord. They flourish in the courts of our God. They still bear fruit in old age. They're ever full of sap and green to declare that the Lord is upright. He is my rock and there is no unrighteousness in him. Amen. So turn to your virtual neighbor in the chat or something and say, hey, you look like a beautiful cedar of Lebanon. You're just full of sap and green, whatever that means. (laughs) Hey, but I hope that this word has challenged you. Hey, isn't it amazing that we get to be part of the church? Wow, his body, his temple, that he would dwell among us. And I want to pray for us today as we come to a fresh revelation and understanding of what that means. Lord, I thank you for your church. I thank you for every person that's gathering. I know we might not be able to gather physically right now, Lord, but we are gathering online. We are gathering together for your purposes, and we gather together under your headship, Jesus. You're the, you're the king. You're the leader. You, you This is your church. And Lord, we just surrender ourselves afresh, and I, I, I ask that you would help us come to a greater understanding of what it means to be planted, that we would flourish, Lord. I pray for every member of everyone church that they would flourish as they they make this decision to be planted in your church and i thank you that you brought them here for such a time as this as this church takes shape in jesus name amen well hope you've had an awesome time with us today for our online service and i hope you have an amazing week and let's continue to catch up as we count down to when we can gather together and sing and worship as the body of christ as the temple of the lord in jesus name amen have a great week